Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Genesis 32. And uh, I want to um, read the story of Jacob and the stranger who wrestled with him in the Bible here. Picking up in Genesis 32 and verse 22. You're with me? You're with me? Say aye. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives. Just have a look at me now. This is the Old Testament. Right, you can carry on reading now. His two female servants. Oh, hang on, hang on. Look up. This is the Old Testament. And his 11 sons. Cool. wonder what he did when the clocks went back. I said to someone this morning, did you enjoy the extra hour? They looked at me like I'm a parent. Of course I didn't enjoy the extra hour. And crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. It's probably worth just mentioning what's happening in the story is that Jacob, who had deceived his brother Esau a number of years previous to this, at least 15 years prior to this, has is about to be reconciled with his brother. He believes that his brother Esau is going to attack him. And uh, as it happens, that isn't what took place, but he had every good reason to think it would. So he's sending on, getting ready to meet his brother again. And he's sending all his livestock. That's what's going on here. He's getting it ready to kind of give to his brother to placate him in his anger. So verse 23, after he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions, so Jacob was left alone. Please say alone. Okay. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. The mysterious man, who we later find out is actually God, but it's not clear at first. Verse 25, when the man saw that he could not overpower him, that's Jacob, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. And the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. I'll pick up on that in just a moment. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go. Unless you bless me. The man asked him. What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob. But Israel. Because you have struggled with God. And with men or with humans. And have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? 
And then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, which means the face of God, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. Verse 31 is really important. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. Let's pray. Lord, please will you now shut us in with you. We are here to not hear the voice of a man, but the voice of the Lord. We're here to listen to the Holy Spirit as he speaks. And so I yield myself and we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit, believing in a God who speaks. So speak, Lord, by the power of your anointing. And may your will be fulfilled here now. Fresh fire on me, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's a very, very uh, peculiar story, this. Very, very odd story. Jacob wrestles with this unknown uh, man, later discovered to be God. And, uh, and, and yet, I, I believe that it's actually a good deal that we can learn from this rather odd passage in the Old Testament that actually might be prophetic for you and helpful to you in your Christian journey. And I felt constrained or moved by the Spirit that I should speak upon this uh, this morning. The first thing we learn from the story is that even God's people have times of struggle. Jacob's famous, you know. He's not just any old saint in the Old Testament, but, but a very well-known one. And here, he is compelled to have this time of struggle. And I, I don't want to take too much time with this because I think we're probably quite familiar with this. We are in a kingdom where God does extraordinary things. I, I, with all my heart, believe that before we go downstairs in a few moments' time, God will heal some people here today. And it's going to be extraordinary. And yet, even through that, there will still be plenty of others here who will have to know what it is to struggle. For example, God can touch your arm, but you've still got to pay your bill, haven't you? God can uh, fill you with joy, but you've still got to go to work tomorrow and put up with that awful woman that you're working with. Can you say amen? You said amen. I'm going to tell her that you said amen. (laughs) Hopefully the woman you work with isn't sitting next to you. We're in a kingdom where there is joy and struggle. We're in a kingdom where there is 
supernatural. But there's also very much the natural. There's also very much the, I'm filled with God, but I still got to get out of bed in the morning. I'm filled with God, but I'm still waiting on that job to come through for me. I'm filled with God. God has touched me, but I'm still waiting on my visa. I'm still waiting on uh, a car that works for 10 months without having to have repairs. I'm still waiting for all of that. Oh, by the way, if you need your car done well, go to Yorkshire. My car passed its MOT for the first time in the whole of my life. I walked out. I said, Lord, I don't know if this means that this is a good garage or a bad garage. I stand in front of you today with a four-pound haircut. Four pound, I said. Four, four pound? She said, yeah. I said, I got back in the chair. I said, do it again. It's worth the drive, fellas. I'm telling you right now. Can't speak for the ladies, but some of you are thinking, yeah, it looks like a four pound haircut. No, we have, we have struggles, don't we? God's people struggle. God's people struggle all the way through the Bible. And so any version of Christianity, and I'm not going to unpack this because I think we unpack this a lot here in King's Church, but any version of Christianity that's presented to you that doesn't involve struggling is false. Any uh, version of Christianity that doesn't involve limping is false. One of my least favorite things is a giant conference the size of the Royal Albert Hall, thousands of people, and the preacher says, turn to your neighbor and say, tonight I'm going to get a breakthrough. Well, it's exciting. It sounds good, and they all do it. But there's no way that 5,000 people get a breakthrough on the same night. Maybe two or three of them. But our breakthrough comes when God says, not when the preacher says. Can you say amen? Our breakthrough is coming, but, but not necessarily all at the same time. That's the point I'm trying to make. Any version of Christianity that doesn't involve struggling is not really a true gospel. Jacob struggled. We find in this particular instance that the struggle was long, solitary, and dark. It was all night. Have you ever, and I'm sure you have, had one of those I can't sleep nights? They are long. Now, when you're asleep, you think the night isn't very long. Oh, is it really six o'clock? I, th- I thought it was two, you know. What happened to the night? But when you can't sleep, Boy, is the night long. The night is long. Jacob wrestled with the man all night. And the wrestling only ended because the dawn was coming up. Had the dawn not been coming up, and we'll get on to this in a minute, there's a reason for this, but had the dawn not been coming up, they would still be wrestling there now. Jacob would be looking a bit older, but they'd still be there now. Seasons of struggling can seem very, very long. We also know that he was alone. I don't know if you picked that up from the story. 
But it says in verse 24, Jacob was left alone. I think that there are times when families can go through things together, yes? There are times when churches can go through things together, difficulties. But sometimes the hardest of all struggles, you feel very, very alone in it, don't you? When you're really at it, in the darkest and the longest of nights, you can feel very, very alone. And you can unbur- you could be one of those kinds of people who unburdens to others, or you can keep it to yourself. But even if you unburden everything to others, and the kindest of counseling and the kindest of listening ears, and that's all wonderful, by the way, that's all part of what church should be about. But you know and I know that as you, even as you unburden to someone, they can't really know how you feel. You're sort of on your own. And we discover also that it was dark. Jacob at no time saw the man. And we'll come on to this. I keep saying that, don't I? But we will. Jacob at no time had a good look at this man. He didn't really see him. Not, not, not properly. And so this whole struggle takes place without a candlelight, without a fire. It is completely dark. And the kingdom of God, amidst all its miraculous manifestations, amidst all of its joys, will still afford you from time to time a night like this. Now, thank God the morning is on its way. Yes? The morning is always on its way. But when you are not able to sleep and you look at the alarm clock... Ten past three. The morning doesn't feel like it's soon on its way. Feels very, very long. So all of God's people face struggles. These struggles are often long, solitary and dark. And while God can seem like our opponent, we must cling on to him to the end. Here's something that we don't like to talk about very much in church. But I want to talk about it for a minute. Very often in our lives, and I'm now talking to devout people. I'm not talking to uh, people who've no, got no knowledge of God. I've got, I'm not talking to people who show disrespect to God. I'm talking to God-fearing people. The opponent in the story is God. Now God had not come in wrestling with Jacob to do him any harm. Please understand that. He had not come to do him any harm. But for that particular period of Jacob's life, those few hours, the eight hours through the night or however long it was, it appeared 
as though God were Jacob's opponent. Give me your very best attention. Because if we are honest, when we go through those very dark seasons of our lives, now, I'm not expecting you to respond. I'm not asking you to respond. But there are moments when we go through those dark places of sadness, depression, confusion, where all of the obstacles of life, are, they are certainly not being cast into the sea. In fact, you order the mountain to move and another mountain appears next to it. It can seem as though God himself is your opponent. It can seem as though God himself is your opponent. As though so many things go wrong at the same time. Things that if only someone had remembered to do, your life would be so much better. Or if only that payment had come. Or if only that job had happened. Or if only that relationship had worked out. If only that son or that daughter hadn't gone and met with those people that night, etc., etc. Then life would be so much better. And it's almost as though you say, Lord, I am drying up here. Because Lord, I am asking you to help me. But all it looks like you're doing, Lord, is opening the door for more monsters to come at me. Now, I'm not asking you to respond, but sometimes life can feel like that. God, I'm asking you to help me. You haven't helped me. Lord, I'm asking you to, to bless me. Lord, I, I need this to happen. In fact, I'm praying that it'll happen now. But Lord, I, I needed it to happen last week. I needed it to happen last year, Lord. Why haven't you unlocked the door? Lord, you can do anything. You can do anything. You can move the hand of a king. Cancer is nothing to you. Money is nothing to you. Lord, it seems as though you are my opponent. Here. I don't believe in a devil that big that can give me these problems. It seems as though God is face to face with me, not showing me his face because it's dark, but it's as though God is my opponent. Now the issue is this, that God had not come to do him any harm. But I'm telling you today, there are times when God wants to come and put you on the floor. And I'm not talking about in a charismatic meeting either. Good though that may be. There are times when God wants to come into your life, grab you and put you on the floor and say, stay here. Do not move from here. You say, oh, no, I want to do this. I, I want to do this. And God... Just quickly, locking every door in front of you. Locking every door. Oh, well, uh, oh, there's an open door over there. There's an opportunity to move house. There's an opportunity for a relationship. There's an opportunity for a job. And by the time you've got there, God has leapt in front and locked the door. 
as though God himself is your opponent. And I want to tell you this, God himself is indeed the opponent of everything that is bad for you. He is opposing everything that is bad for you. And if he has to get you in a headlock for a bit, he'll do it. What does God want you to be? Holy or happy? Well, I think God wants me to be happy. You're in the wrong church. He, God, will make you happy, all right. But his primary concern is his will in your life. His primary concern is not that you will be happy all the time because happiness depends on happenings. Now God wants to give you joy, which isn't the same as happiness. Joy comes out of trusting in God. Even when he's got you on the floor in a headlock. Even when he's locking every door. Even when every attempt to get married has gone wrong. Even when every attempt to get health hasn't worked out. God is a God with keys. Locking doors. Stopping opportunities. God seems like your opponent. But actually God is merely the opponent of everything that will do you harm. And what does Jacob do? What does he do? I don't know whether you've ever noticed this before. I only noticed it yesterday. So I guess if you've known this before, perhaps you should be preaching today instead of me. They begin by wrestling. You, you look at it in the text, either now or later. They begin by wrestling, but they don't end wrestling. They begin wrestling. I don't know what two Jewish men wrestling several thousand years ago looks like, by the way. I suspect it doesn't look like American wrestling on television. Let's hope not. But it doesn't end with wrestling. I'll tell you, it ends with Jacob just hanging on to the man. Now, if I went up to Steve and just put my arms around him and held on to him for two hours, probably you would not call that wrestling. I don't know what you call it. I wouldn't want you to take a picture of it. But it's not wrestling. It's me so tired. I'm losing the match. But I'm not letting him go. And that's what happened. Jacob, after hours and hours of this fight, became so fatigued that he just held on to him. I will not let you go. He says, unless or until you bless me. And at the end of this story, his name is changed from Jacob to Israel. How does a man or a woman of God move into their destiny? They move into their destiny through struggle and holding on. God is not your opponent. And for everyone in this room who believes that God ought to have been a bit nicer to you and ought to have set things up a bit better and ought to have moved faster for you, hear the word of the Lord today. 
hold on to him. Hold on to him. The man was Jacob's enemy. So it seemed, but he held on to him. No, I won't let you go until you bless me. I won't let you go. And if you believe that God has been grabbing you and stopping you and limiting you, hear the word of the Lord today. It's because he loves you. So you hold on to him. You hold on to him. Sometimes I've been very weak in myself, very weak in my, in my life, in my mood, in my character, whatever, whatever term you might want to use. And there are times when I have to say, Lord, I'm struggling to hold on to you. But I believe that you will not let me go. And sometimes when we go through these dark seasons, it's enough to say, Lord, I'm not sure I've really got a handle on you. I don't understand what's happening in my life. I'm not sure I've got a handle on you, but I believe that you have still got your hands on me. It's wonderful, isn't it? Christianity is not about us building a tower to get to God like they did in Babel. Christianity is not about us preparing a feast to please God. Christianity is God saying, I have laid a table for you. Christianity is about God coming down to the earth, not us going up to the heaven. Aren't you glad about that? In Christianity, God does all the work and we respond to it. It's God who's got a hold of me, not me who's got a hold of God. Don't jump up and down and say, I found Jesus. I've got news for you. He was never lost. It's you that was lost. Yes. Hallelujah. To some right now, you may feel as though life is just chaos. Just why isn't this happening? Begin to get angry even with God. Don't you dare do that. You hold on to him. I will not let you go until you bless me. The purpose of all this fighting. I put it is essential personal insight. Why did God do this? Why did God show up in Genesis 32 and grab Jacob and put him on the floor? Why? Because he wanted to change him. And Jacob arises out of that wrestling match a different man. And that's why God has blessed you to come and oppose you. To come into your night and come and begin to wrestle with you. There's a really odd moment in the story that I want to highlight for you now. Maybe you've thought about this before, maybe not. And it's in verse 27. Where the man, and it's nearly daybreak now. So they've been at this for hours. Say hours. 
Oh yeah, it's pro- probably the clocks went back, probably an extra hour. And in verse 27, the man asked him, what is your name? What a daft question that is. When you say, God, don't you, don't you know my name? We've been here for hours. Couldn't you have asked me that at maybe 2 a.m.? It's 5 a.m. and now you're asking my name. Maybe he's got the wrong person here. Oh, you're Jacob. Oh, no, no, I'm, I meant Jake. Oh, well, he's over there. Asleep. Watch this. Here comes a revelation for you. I think so anyway. Why did, why did God ask him his name? Didn't God know his name? God knew his name. But a few years before, another man asked him his name. And he lied. A few years before, his half-blind father, wanting to bless Esau with a blessing of the father, touched him, Jacob, deceiving him, clothed with fur, dressed in Esau's clothes, I think, smelling like his brother. And his half-blind father said, Who are you? What is your name? And the young man says, Oh, I am, I am Esau. Bless me, my father. Why did God ask him his name? Because it was time for Jacob to come clean, is it? It was time for him to give the right answer. And sometimes during times of struggle, one of the worst things about having a bad time, for me anyway, is I find out a whole lot more about me. That's the worst thing. I find out about God. I find out about other people. You know, they say, oh, when you're in trouble, you find out who your friends are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You find out a whole load of things. But the biggest thing you find out about is who you are. And whether you are the same person in the rain as in the sunshine. And most of us, if not all of us, aren't. In the book of Job, God permits Satan to destroy the family, uh, destroyed and the houses are destroyed. But Satan says, it's not good enough, is it? Let me touch him. Let me give him the problem. And then we'll see what his character's like. And when we have the problem, then we find out what we are like. What is your name, he says to him. What is your name? Who are you? And he comes clean. I'm Jacob. Meaning the one who grasps the heel. That's an idiom in Hebrew, meaning I tell lies. But it literally means I I grasp the heel, which he had done at birth, of course. During difficult seasons, there's a point to it. The point to it is you find out about God and you find out about you. And I got some bad news. Don't don't stone me. But if you don't find out about you and you don't find out about God, you're going to have another bad season until you do. 
So learn it quickly. Whatever God is wanting to do, there's a funny idea that we have. That God is to be put to the test and we are trustworthy. But that is completely different to what the Bible says. The Bible says that he is to be trusted and we are to be tested. But the way you hear Christians talk and pray and live, it's as though they're trustworthy and they could put God to the test. No, no. God puts us to the test. Those of you in a dark season now, the Lord is with you. But one of the things he's wanting to do is to find out who you are and show you who you are. Not so you'd be even more depressed, but so that you might say, I am so weak. I am so weak, but I am not letting you go. Don't let him go. And I believe that whole line there, when he says to him, I will not let you go until you bless me. You see, I'm sure it's, we're supposed to think about that time when that half-blind father blessed him. And now Jacob is saying, you know what? The approval of that, of my father is so precious. The approval of my family is so precious. The provision of my family is so precious. But I need heaven's blessing now. I need heavenly provision now. I will not let you go until you bless me, Lord. I've been blessed by man, but now I need to be blessed by you, Lord. I won't let you go. I'm weak as anything. I'm not wrestling. I'm just hanging on to your leg. But you're not going until you bless me. And I think this is what we're supposed to learn in the story. That God's not our opponent. He's opposing things that do us harm. We learn about ourselves essential personal insight. In the next chapter, chapter 33, he's going to go out and meet his brother. He needs this encounter with God now. And God has come to encounter us, seemingly to oppose us at times, in order to transform us for the next season. That's why God does it. That's why God takes his time to come and mess with my life and mess with your life so that some of the nonsense and some of the ridiculous stuff can be burned away. The Lord will come to you and say, well, didn't you pray, Lord, send the fire? You say, yes, I did, but I thought maybe I could negotiate with the flames. You told me, you said, send the fire. Here it is. Yeah, but I thought it would be a nice fire. No, a fire burns and destroys. Can you say amen? God, has a, he's opposing you. To oppose the things that aren't right. He loves you. So what do I have to do? You have to be honest with him. And you have to hold on to him. I wonder if you can do that. Be honest with him. And hold on to him. It's not the blessing of Isaac you need. It's the blessing of God. 
Isaac's blessing carried this young man many chapters forward, helped him in his relationship with Laban. The name Israel means struggled with God and overcame. As the light begins to come, we know it's very, very clear in the Bible that no one may see the face of God and live. And so as the clock is turning, figuratively now, of course, light is beginning to come. That's why this whole thing must have happened in the almost pitch black dark. And God knows that if Jacob sees his face, he will be consumed. And so he touches his hip in order to in order to disable him, but not even that is enough. And now God is wanting to get away so that Jacob doesn't see his face. That's what all that's about. That's why all that stuff about and the, at, at daybreak and then the day, the daylight came above the area, you know, and all that. It's so detailed. When God comes, he doesn't come to destroy. He comes to bless. So he disables him so that he can get away from him. And, but Jacob so persistent, hangs on. So he blesses him. And afterwards it says this. He walks away with, with a limp. Yesterday I was limping around the place. Or the day before. One night this week I woke up with cramp. You ever had cramp? Jane was lying next to me just dreaming about, well, whatever she dreams about. And suddenly, I go, she, what is it? What is it? I said, it's cramped. She said, oh, all right then. Just push. So I thought, oh, it's over. Oh, it's wonderful. But then the following day, I was just limping a bit. And I'm still limping a tiny little bit today. Just a little bit of a limp where... It had been. The problem is over. I haven't got cramp now. Hip, hip. Could have been a bit more jolly about that. (laughs) But for a few hours afterwards, I had a limp. I want to finish by saying this. When the season is over, when God has opposed you, when God has opposed the things that are not right, when you've held on to him, You'll get your name changed. You don't get your name changed in any other way. That's how you get your identity changed. Through through the fire. Through the struggle. And he gets his name changed. And hear the word of the Lord. If you're going through a hard time and it feels like, you say, a season? It feels like 10 years. God's changing your name. To one who has struggled with God. He does it all the time. Simon Peter. Simon means reed. Swayed around by anything. Peter means stone. Solid, you see. It's what God's wanting to do. Bring you from a a thing that could be blown around this way or that. I only live according to people's opinions of me. And turn you into a rock. Change your name to something else. 
And at the end of it, the guy's left with a limp. I want to take a moment to really finish properly and land with this because perhaps for some this is the most important part at all. This, this irrelevant bit where he limps away. I want to say something today that I hope you understand. It's perfectly all right to have a limp. It's perfectly all right to have faced God in a difficult scenario and come out the other end with a little bit of that smoke still on your clothes. What do I mean by that? You can't know what someone's really going through unless you've been there yourself. I don't think that God wants us all the time to forget the struggles we've had. Do you understand? I don't think, now, now I've heard, I've been to leadership seminars, ministry seminars where people say things like this. Unless you're healed up yourself, you can't bring healing to others. Really? For me, one of the great motivators in healing is compassion. And compassion sometimes involves knowing what someone's going through. We've been comforted by the Lord, yes. But we bring that comfort to others. Jacob walked away from this experience not entirely whole. And I want to encourage you. Don't lose your limp. So, well, what are you talking about? Don't forget. May God restore you. May you be a whole lot happier and healthier than you were. May you be a lot less confused than you were. But don't entirely forget the night that you had that fight. Don't entirely forget it. But turn that night into blessing for others. You see some of the great men and women of God today. It looks like so easy for them. People who've been pioneers, apostolic work, established things. And it looks like God has got favorites. God has not got favorites. But he has got people who've been through the night and held on to him. God has not got favorites, but he's got people who've been through the night and held on to him. In the time today in which I've given this sermon, 11 Christians have died for their faith in the world. In the time that I've preached to you today. And so we don't know the price that people pay for the things that they see. It's okay to have a limp. It's okay to sit with someone and say, actually, I do know how you feel. I'm a bit like that myself. That doesn't make you unqualified to be their helper. In fact, it qualifies you all the more. Do you understand what I'm saying today? Qualifies you all the more. The writer to the Hebrews says this of Jesus, that he's able to be our high priest because he was tempted in every way. That's what makes him our great high priest because he is... 
He's not untouched by the feelings of their infirmities. He himself has been tested in every way and yet without sin. Look at the men and women of God today. See them limp a bit. See the, 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 the price paid. By the way, I'm not talking about Christian superstars. I'm talking about you sitting here. I'm not talking about who's who in the charismatic zoo. I'm talking about you sitting here. Two important questions. Number one, as we finish today, can you look back? Can you praise God for a long dark night? Can you do that? Are you able to say, you know what that awful time I had? Actually, uh, not to bring it to remembrance that will hurt you. Not to bring it to your remembrance that returns you there in fullness. But are you able to say, actually, Lord, I want to thank you that you enabled me to have an experience where I struggled with God and with man and I overcame. Because that's how, that's how you get your name changed in the Bible. That's how you move from Jacob to Israel in the Bible. It's nothing to do with how old you are. It's to do with where you've been. It's to do with whether or not you have wrestled with God. So are you able to take a step of enormous maturity, maybe, and say, Lord, I want to thank you for every single time when you sent your fire my way. And secondly, If you're not in it already, are you prepared for a name-changing night fight if it will help your journey? Are you prepared to say, God, I, I need to be everything you want me to be. Please deal mercifully with me. Please be gentle with me. But God, change me. God, if I'm going the wrong way, please stop me. God, if I'm in the wrong relationship, please, please end it. God, if I'm, if I should be doing something else, please lead me that way. Or even more significant. Lord, if I keep dreaming about doing something else, but actually I should just stay right where I am, then please do that. That's probably the bigger one. Sometimes we think God wants us to go off and do something. Actually, sometimes God just wants us to stay right where we are. That's why God gets us on the floor. You're staying here all night. So God is an amazing, wonder-working Jesus. But he wants to bless you. And he will bless you as you hold on to him. Don't let him go. Thank you for listening and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.